Hello, and welcome to, I guess this is still called When Will It End? I don't know why, but it is. There's a movie podcast, and uh, we're back with Jake. Uh, we all remember, uh, many fell in love with Jake while we oh, talked no. about. Yeah, I, I should have told you, but many fell in love. Oh no, I can't have a fan base. I'm not no, ready. I, I don't know if it was that kind of love. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're fine. Um, yeah, we did the before trilogy, and he's back to talk up a little. How do you pronounce? How do you this this, this title is a wild title. How are you even? How are you tackling? I this say Nausicaa. Nausicaa. Like yeah, nautical. That's that's where my brain was at. So that makes so much sense. I say Nausicaa, but I think you're right. That's a ridiculous way to say it. <laughs> Nausicaa. I mean, you I know. it's Greek. It's from the Greek. Is it? Yeah, I was poking around on the IMDb uh, trivia, and it's it's from Homer's Odysseus. Oh, it means boat burner. The the world's boat. Oh, I guess so. I just took it more literally with like the boats she burns. She doesn't really do any burning. That's her whole. That's basically her whole thing. Is she's like just, hey everybody, let's just quit the burning for a second. Yeah, we should not do that. Yeah, weird title, weird weird title, weird character name. Um, honestly, the worst, I would say the worst of the titles of the Miyazaki verse. What do you think? It's, it's very biblical, and that kind of gels with, I feel like, the content. So mm-hmm. it, it feels intentional, but totally agree with you. Uh, difficult to recommend because people are like, what is this? What is this film going to be? Yeah, I mean, it's just too, first, I know everyone knows this already, but too many ofs. I think you just you just got to get one of and I know this is a translation. So maybe in the original mm-hmm. Japanese, it sounds better. But Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. I, I don't know. I just like it's like reading Blood Meridian. I don't know if you ever read that, but <laughs> yeah, I actually just read the new the new one last week. Was it good? No, I don't think uh, so. I mean, who knows? I, I'm not one to judge, but it's it really didn't do anything for me. It was really long and um and are, are you are you a fan have you been oh yeah read i've read yeah. um uh the road a long time ago and mm-hmm. uh read blood meridian and uh what's the one about the really weird homeless guy who keeps people in his cave oh is that satri i think Oh, not that one. No. <laughs> the other one. <laughs> the orchard the orchard keeper? No, uh nope. it, gosh, uh like ch- child of God or something. Yes, like yes, okay. yes. Yeah. Whew, thanks, Brain. I just kinda let it go. Uh, I couldn't remember. I, I get all those confused, but I think Satri is more autobiographical and not so hobo ish. Yeah. I've um it's funny, I read I wrote like I've read uh, or sorry, wrote a short story that like after reading that, I was like, oh, damn, he kind of already did it and it was better. So, <laughs> oh, you wrote it first or you wrote, you tried to get in on the, the hobo lit? No, I, I wrote it like completely independent. I think it was an undergrad or something. And then I ended up reading the book and going like, oh, this is just what I did, just like way better. Yeah. I did it the opposite. I read some Cormac McCarthy and I wrote stuff that was just like worse, but I sort of, <laughs> I was going, we guess we both came to the same place. I just, we just started from different ends. Yeah. Well, we're but we're not here to discuss the McCarthy. I mean, we could. I, you know, I'm not opposed to it. <laughs> Have you? Did you read um No Country? I didn't. I only okay. seen I just reread it. I find it baffling because it's like I know I got really called out for my ideas on Die Hard, and I'm sort of stuck now. Whenever I read a book where I really hate the main characters, my go-to is just to be like oh, that's because the author also hates the main characters and this is all satire or whatever. And it's just like, look at how awful this man is. Almost always a man. But with Die Hard, I was proven wrong. So now I'm just like, does Cormac like these dudes? Like, does he think that the shitty cop and no cop... You've seen the movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if, if it's pretty close, I I, I felt like the... like. The characters were somewhat sympathetic. Like Josh Brolin's character was like somewhat sympathetic, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, and Sugar. Tommy Lee Jones was somewhat sympathetic, but not like these are my idols kind of characters. Right. I think that's they. The, I think the movie does a much clearer job than the book, at least in my opinion. I find that the Tommy Lee Jones character is a total loser, 
waste of space and he's just like clinging to this shit that never existed only in his mind and it's sort of about this like dying man who doesn't really know it where i've talked to like my dad and people of his generation they like seem to admire this like coward loser yeah it's the dying light of the 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 boomer trajectory of the world you know it's like yeah like we they had this idea there was i feel like there's this huge swath of of literature like an anglosphere specifically where it's like there's a trajectory to everyone's life and you are entitled to like having a role and like things going in a direction and like that just fizzled in like the 90s and early 2000s and mm-hmm. now we're in like the randomized wacky universe of no directionality but that's how yeah. it's always been so it's like more normal yeah so I was um I think that after No Country he wrote some scripts and I think he's like so into his cheeky dialogue that like 90% of the passenger is just him like people talking to each other about nonsense in his classic Cormac way. And uh Yeah. Yeah. I you know he should have just gone all in and gone for like a judge miniseries uh you know from 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 uh, Blood Meridian and Absolutely. just like le- yes. leaned into his good characters. <laughs> Yeah, that's like basically before Sugar got sort of modernized was the 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 judge was like a pure cool character. What a fucking character. My gosh. Yeah. Like I just was like, all right, this the book's just worth it just for his rants. Yes. Yes. Yeah, actually I reread that and No Country and um I guess that's it recently, but Blood Murray and I still give a recommend and I don't know, No Country is sort of a if, the movie's better than the book and it's like i don't know i think two hours with this rather than six is probably a better investment of time yeah yeah blood meridian holds up like i i reread like passages of it for like a, a some research i was doing and um i was like this is great researching just just like certain types of american literature because i was like i was looking to apply to grad school it was like a, a whole thing mm. but, uh, but yeah that that book's great that book like is what the west was which is a bunch of psychos just kind of walked in in a westerly direction and just like killed and salted the fields and did every terrible thing you could do just you know america yeah i mean to sort of bring it back to nausicaa or nausicaa what is what is what i say nausicaa i I should start saying that again i've heard literally i've only heard someone recommend it to me saying it that way and i was just like that sounds right so okay and did you pronounce the extra A? Like, is there an umlaut thing going on? That's or you just point. sort of allied that, the dots, the two double dot? I didn't even take them into consideration. Oh, yeah, it's got two dots. So two A's, two dots. I guess it would be called Nausicaa. <laughs> See, this title sucks. I hate this title. We need a little, yeah, we so, needed to, they're like, get off your high horse there, Miyazaki. Harvey Weinstein uh king of miramax did fix it in the 90s when he released it as uh warriors of the wind um cutting out a half an hour of footage removing the female character and making it about boys that's uh overcorrection <laughs> yeah it's crazy that this like the, the the if anyone wants to check into Josh isn't here I'm, i don't know if you're going to take over his mantle of doing imdb trivia i'm not really going to go there but basically anyone interested there's a whole story around this cut he he ended up sending a sword to harvey weinstein (laughs) uh that's that's like uh the only other instance i've heard of that is ross perot sent bernie sanders a sword wait in a good way or a bad way in a good way it's on it's on his wall he's like ross perot sent me this sword and it's like mounted (laughs) on the wall it's one of the funniest little pieces of trivia so i yeah, maybe he didn't know about Weinstein when he sent him the sword. Well, no, I guess Hayo sent Harvey the sword in like an aggressive way. It had no cuts mm. um, etched into the blade because Harvey was trying to get his hands on his, his little fingers on Princess Mononoke for a Miramax release. And Hayo said no, thankfully. That would have been an insane version. Like a radioactive sword. You know, or something, you know, something that like (laughs) slowly poisons him as it sits in the office. Yeah. Some actual demon sword. Be fitting too with the the movie. Yeah. Um, But thankfully, uh, I watched the 
full cut. I actually went English dub because I've seen this movie so many times in the original language. I was, I'm sort of seeing this this series, the Miyazaki verse, as a way to explore. They get some really great actors. Which uh, which version did you watch? I watched the the one on HBO Max, which was like the two hour cut. So I'm pretty sure it was like the full yep. the full shebang. And uh, yeah, it had like Shia LaBeouf and like a few other mm-hmm. like names in it. So I started cool. watching it in Japanese, and then the it was the Disney Blu-ray, so I saw the English actors sort of over the Japanese text, and I saw mm. Patrick Stewart, yeah, Uma yeah. Thurman, Shia yeah. LaBeouf. Yeah, I was like, oh shit, I'm actually going to switch over to the English dub. And um, no, yeah, it, it, it felt cool. very good um, because yeah, the the art style is like uh, not minimalist, but you know, it's it, it's like. I feel like the music and the people talking is like very important to the the story. Yeah, that was another thing. The uh, initial cut of Warriors of the Wind, it was so heavily edited that I don't know. I know I said I wasn't going to do trivia, but I I guess I will. Uh, it's relevant. They did. They gave the script to the actors without context. They just gave them their lines. So like the best, I think that's the best way to get a read out of an actor is to just like hand them lines, right? So they just read words at the microphone and then call it a day. Yeah, leave leave them to interpret everything, you know, with no context. <laughs> yeah. Don't kill the bug, daddy. Oh, <laughs> uh, boy. Is this your um, first time seeing Nausicaa? No, you said it was recommended uh, to you. Yeah, it's like one. It's like I would say one and a half times because like the first time I watched it, um, it was just like at a friend's house and I, I don't, we weren't paying like as much attention as we really should have. Okay. Oh, cool. So this was like a, a pretty much a, a fresh, a fresh watch. Yeah, I've de- definitely stuff that um that I missed the first time, and uh, especially the allegory stuff. That's like pr- would have been very obvious watching it the first time, but watching it like now attentively, like oh, okay, got it. Now I see where we where we are here, and it's, yeah. it was really cool to like pick up on all of it, especially in a kids movie. Right. Yeah. He's been pretty. Um, Miyazaki's been pretty like. St- just very, very wants to make sure that he's like making kids movies for the beginning of his career. I think Porco Rosso was like his first time where he got overwhelmed and sort of went more towards adult. And then Princess Mononoke sort of followed that. But up until Porco, I think he's really like committed to making kids movies. And I don't know, I don't have kids. And I think this is a great kids movie. But it's also really, it's violent. And it's I think I don't know what age you sort of understand that the violence isn't supposed to be cool yeah um i I don't know this feels like a like a preteen maybe yeah you know like double digits is what it kind of feels like to me like i wouldn't quite quite say pg-13 um because you know again like there's parts of the world in which uh violence is a little more in your face and it's like not as hard of a pill to swallow uh whereas you know um, like in the valley of the wind yeah exactly you grow, you grow up in the valley of the wind and woof let me tell you fucked. yeah <laughs> so i guess page pidgeite pidgeite and thorum Thur- i don't remember these places but those places seemed even worse yeah for real god when that boy just goes to his home and it's just like full of bug full of bugs dead bugs and dead buildings and no one around jesus <laughs> and, and, yeah. and the leadership is like we did it <laughs> <laughs> we figured we that one out guys <laughs> yeah solve that problem there's a lot of this in the film of like solve that problem. That's not going to bite us. In the ass. Yeah, I think, I think that's why it's such a complicated movie to show to kids because it's like the message is wonderful. I fucking am so emotionally invested in this like badass pacifist, which is such a rare thing to see. So it's really, I think it's a really important kids movie, but it also is like got some cool like air fights and blowing shit up and and I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, it's. It, it, it like the movie is like there's no bad guy you know it's like Classic. that's that's just what what makes the movie great to me is there's there's no bad guy it's like it's yeah. you're they're either bureaucrats moving like by their own motivations uh you know or like royalty that feel this decree to like you know or this this like uh divine right to like do what they have to do and everyone thinks they're a genius and it's like uh and because of this like yeah, this this disconnect. We just get these huge conflicts. It's, it's a perfect allegory for climate change. It's like a mm. it's so ahead of its time, nineteen eighty four. You know. Yeah, I mean, who knows? It it seemed to be also sort of coming out of 
you know, post nuclear war too, and like the cold war. And so sure. yeah, honestly, the allegory is, um, unfortunately always fitting because human beings are mostly as groups hell bent on destroying each other and the world. So it's always going to be relevant, I think. Yeah. And, and it's, everyone wants to put on their utilitarian hat. Like this is what we have to do, you know? And, and that's like the way these, the forces get away with it, but like, yeah, it doesn't have to be that way. You can cut right through that. And again, why it's probably an important kids movie. Sorry. Wink just was whining at the door. Oh no. Yeah. She wants to say hello. Oh, hello. Wink. Yeah. Wink. I'm recording. (laughs) Yeah. Lana, Lana is right below me. But she oh my god! Dog asleep. session. She is asleep. Oh yeah. But, but maybe I, that I is mean, why it's a good kids movie, right? Where it's like the kids see the right thing to do, and it's obvious, mm-hmm. and then all the adults are fighting about you know this or that. That's or, true. Yeah, I think that's you know uh, probably the most common phrase in any review of a Miyazaki movie is there's just no bad guys to be found, and it's more complicated than most kids movies so that's it's true it's it's a cool i think he does often play the adult versus kid but not in like the way that most american movies do it he sort of just has them see the world differently and it's like whether the adults can engage in the child's way of seeing things or not yeah i um yeah in like uh you had said about like the fallout of the atomic uh, bomb and just kind of like that being top of mind in Japan for obvious reasons. Um, I, I actually took a class in undergrad that like we re- we read a bunch of of post World War II Japanese literature and like mm-hmm. anime and like it was just like, yeah everything everything meaningful coming out of that period was about like weapons of mass destruction and i mean like like godzilla and like just like all of these things of this massive uncontrollable force it's like it's all allegory for for atomic weaponry or now climate change you know just these these unstoppable things that everybody thinks they can control but they can't yeah it's fucked up to bring it back to cormac actually the the new book is about children of the father of one of the persons that made the atomic bomb and so the whole story is just about like uh, the futility of existence and the unraveling of humankind. It's pretty bleak, but it's all like told. Okay, Cormac. All right. (laughs) He's fucking 90. (laughs) Yeah. So old. He's not even a boomer, right? Believe it. All right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's about um, a brother and sister that just want to fuck, but one of them's dead and the other one's um, sad. So, yeah. Classic. A tale as old as time. It is a tale as old. Well, (laughs) I don't know, at least after post-war. Tales as old as post-war. Fucking classic yeah. brothers, sisters. Man, part of me thought the movie was just going to end like when she died, like got trampled by the, the, the monsters. And like, it just like, that would be if Cormac McCarthy was the director, she would have just been trampled under the bugs and like, they would have trampled their mm-hmm. own like child bug and just yeah. destroyed everything. And yeah, be like, let this be a warning. <laughs> Yeah, warning. Everything is be- suck. Everything sucks. Yeah, but it Wink's, Wink's whining at the other door. Wink, you gotta, you gotta chill. All right. Oh my god. Do you have spirits? Yeah. Have you had your house exercised? Uh, no. Okay. We we waved everything to get the house. We were like, <laughs> no inspection, no exorcist coming by. <laughs> Just, you know, in that market, man. New this England, man, crazy. you gotta you gotta look for the ghosts first. You gotta send a dog, at least a dog, through the house. I wish, but you know, it's such a fucking crazy market. We were our house was on on uh, for two days. <laughs> we couldn't we couldn't afford to slow down the process or make them think we weren't. We were only interested if the house was ghost free. They were trying to get rid of this house, ghosts and all. I actually just watched um, Prince of Darkness. Uh, you ever seen that, John Carpenter? Uh, yeah. Yeah, not in a while, though. I think I saw it as a midnight, so I probably fell asleep for about a half an hour. So that movie dealt with with the the ghosts uh, of of spirituality and stuff. And um, but the whole yeah, the whole film is like, yeah, just them being chased by these ghosts. But it is that the one that ends in the church like stairway. Mm-hmm. Or? Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. like in the church and like the devil is like in a in a tube of green goo. And <laughs> yeah. uh, 
all yeah. the graduate students are trying to uh, understand what the devil is and it's, it's yeah it's the most, it's, yeah very ham-fisted on the allegorical side of things which is what made me think about it you know to tie it to to the film um it's just like yeah what if what if we had the most obvious allegory ever uh of like all of the smartest people in a room trying to understand like what good and evil is and like yeah kind of failing at it <laughs> and this is like i feel like nausicaa was that where it's like what if we had all the leaders of the planet not seeing like literally the the forest for the trees kind of situation and, sure uh, yeah or i guess in this case seeing the un, uh what was it the acid no the, the forest the under jungle. the trees uh yeah the, the, for, the forest, forest under, under the, the jungle, jungle. <laughs> the dead the jungle of doom or whatever it's called yeah the, the toxic forest so yeah i mean i think there are a lot of places. Let's start with this allegory because I think overall this movie could. I found it to be, if it had been any other way, it would have been like this is too simple, too as you said, ham-fisted. It was the a good non-vegan term, but I'll still use it. Full, a fistful of hams, spam. There is fist, like what, no, spam what is full a, of meat too. Oh, barely uh, vegan. I mean, I did make a pretty good Thanksgiving ham. Um, a couple of years ago, I thought it was bad, but it's just a twice bake ham because you make it's basically a loaf of bread that you put like liquid smoke into, and then interesting, yeah. The weird thing was you made it and then you took it out of the oven and it was like gum, but someone it was like someone had chewed lots of gum and put it in the oven for you to find later. Huh. Um, so I tried serving that; it was terrible, but. I don't like wasting things, so I put it back in the fridge, and then I fried it later, and it was fucking amazing. So I learned that. Yeah, it's I, lo- a, I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twice just cooker. That shit's a fryer. Works for vegetarians. Works for meat eaters. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, just figure it out. So I guess um, it, this movie could be very twice baked uh, gluten ham fisted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there's an. I think there's enough complexity to the relationships between all the characters and the relationships between the bugs and it sort of reminded me of the matrix later matrix movies where it's like eventually we get to this point where this isn't just an anti-war movie this is like a very pro peace movie which is i think such a rarity in cinema we sort of most filmmakers are content being like war is bad and we're just going to show you that war is bad and it like really takes a very devoted pacifist to be like hey what about peace let's what about if we just tried peace instead Yeah, and it it shows how it's kind of the inherent correct choice. Like, even when they were fighting, like, there was this, like, we're only fighting because we have to fight in this particular situation. We would much rather not fight. And I think everyone but maybe a few of the soldiers, like, exhibited that behavior where they're just like, we just want to go home. You know, we don't want to do this. We either want to get you out of our home or we just want to go home. And, like, that as, like, what pacifism is, I think is, is, it's, it's probably, yeah, true you know this is most people are uh, it's that's a form of pacifism until you have to fight yeah yeah um who is the boy the 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 pejite boy is that the am i pronouncing that right pejite pejite pejia let's call it pejite pejite we're going with the shia labeouf character i think yeah his character was very complicated because he comes out literally guns blazing initially but Mm -hmm. then you find out later that it's like very grief driven yeah. And yes, sister passed away. Yeah. So I think this movie really excels as it it has a very clear allegory, but it tells it in a way that's like very emotional and not just like Fern Gully-ish, where it's just like, hey, you know, maybe we should treat the world better. It's like oh, <laughs> you this- took the words out of my mouth. I was like, this this I was like Fern Gully was like, all right, well, now Americans gotta watch the movie. Mm. So like, what do we gotta do to it? So like, come yeah. on, Don, Don Bluth. Like, what, what, what you got up there? Yeah, and then we just saw, you know, all the Avatar Fern Gully comparisons, and now we're getting another Avatar this year. And it's just like, I don't know. I think, I think we could just stop it. I mean, we should just fix the title. Sorry, Hayo, <laughs> but we should once we fix this title, I think we can just stop making these kinds of movies and just keep rewatching this because this movie fucking. I don't know about you. I fucking love this movie. This is my oh, it's, so it's far awesome. my favorite Miyazaki. The, movie. the music. It was just the mood. Dude like music this felt like a like a forbidden plant like a 70s animated movie where the yeah music doesn't always make sense it felt like a giallo like whereas sometimes the music is more 
overwhelming than anything that's happening. You're like, why is the music so cool and weird right now? I fucking yeah, loved it. It had like that sort of yeah, seventies sci-fi synth going on, you know, like a uh, little Kubrick, a little like like Soviet block film, you know, like it had like just really creepy music. Like I um oh gosh, what is it? Uh there was this old Polish like stop animation film called uh Chronopolis. Chronopolis, I mm-hmm. think. And yeah. it had the weirdest fucking soundtrack i've ever heard in my life and it reminded me of that a little bit right yeah this felt like an older i mean this was 80s but yeah it definitely reminded me of that like oh just sometimes this music is gonna go fucking crazy and no one's gonna stop joe joe is just gonna get get his uh get his notes in and yeah i think it really works i think it's very cool and uh the fuck everything looked amazing i sort of forget how i mean this movie starts with just like you're yeah. just thrown into this world and you get a little bit of like over like the the little screen that sort of explains things like, oh, everything sucks now. <laughs> but otherwise, you're just sort of thrown into this crazy world that isn't recognizable at all. And it's, I don't know, I think this is a really like, you know, comparing it to Spirited Away, especially. And I, I just feel like the story and the world fits so nicely together. And it's so strange and fascinating. It just, yeah, I really love it. Yeah, I kept thinking it would need more time, like as I was watching it, because I was just like really getting into the the mood and the, the how creepy the bugs were, and like trying to figure out like what the logic of this post apocalyptic world was. You know, there's like steamships; it's kind of steampunk, and it, but it felt like they got all that information across within the con- within the whole film to to understand why things were the way they were. It didn't need this like huge fantasy literature exposition to like understand why things were the way they were which to me yeah. is like a testament to like good science fiction you know mm-hmm. or just just good totally. storytelling in general so yeah i mean there's a little bit in the beginning where she's talking to herself for some reason when she's like walking around and just to tell like why she's wearing a mask and what the bugs are and stuff but that's about four minutes and then it's sort of then most of the conversations are sort of weighted towards, you know, allegorical stuff. But it, I think it even works there, too. But yeah, that's a great point. The The visuals really help tell the story in a way where we don't need, like, we don't care how the glider works. We don't care how the airships fly. We don't really care about the cities and stuff. It's just all visually represented and we don't need the explanation. Yeah, it's like... um yeah, a lot of science fiction that that I like does that where they don't necessarily explain the technology, but it all makes sense within the context of like what's going on. Like um, uh, this the series, it's, the first book is Shadow the Executioner. It's like way, uh, like way in the future, but like we've regressed. So it's similar yeah. to this where I, think I read like, that book. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. I, uh, I read the whole trilogy. Um, it's been a minute. Wow. But, Bully yeah, for G- you. Gene Wolfe is like just going to nerd out a little more here, but Gene Wolfe is so fucking brilliant, and all of his short stories are incredible. And uh, but yeah, he does that like so well, where it's like you're you're it's like why is he using a sword? It's like well because it's less uses less energy. Why would you use the phase blaster when you could just hack the dude's head off with the sword? It's like that's kind of I feel like this this uh, Nausicaa had that same logic where it's like. We're going to use swords because like a flamethrower is insanely expensive or tanks. You have to build them by hand because we don't have like this industrialized society. But we know what a tank is and we know we can build it, you know, so it just kind of all like works. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's um really perfect. And I think that's another thing that, you know, visual I've been thinking about my writing that I've done and people my biggest complaint, I guess, was people just didn't really understand it because I also don't really like exposition to the point where I don't explain anything to people. And I'm sort of wondering if maybe graphic novel might work better for my science fiction. Cause I think just seeing it like the way that Miyazaki can just like create a world in his mind and then have the ability to show it literally, which is what they always tell you to do in writing schools. First day at school. Mm-hmm. They just, yeah, they're like show, don't tell, show, don't tell. And they tell you so many times that, uh, that I'm like, well, I need to be told something. <laughs> can't just can't well, just, just roll on uh, v- vibes here. <laughs> you know, you just got to be told to not taught told, and then you're fine. That's the one thing you can be told. <laughs> can you imagine if you were shown that. I guess that would work too. 
Yeah. But yeah, just, you know, don't tell. Yeah. Stop yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, Jake, stop it. We're, we're so mixed media now. It, it actually makes sense that it's a difficult thing to do where it's like, we, we see so many films and we read stories and short stories. And now we have like so much multimedia stuff and even plays just everything. And it, it's like, you have an idea for a story. It's like, yeah, maybe the story does need another element to it. Cause you're seeing it in this way that you're used to seeing stuff, you know, visually with even like a, a primer, right. like uh, I'm thinking of like game of Thrones where he wrote like an almanac to his, you know, to help you understand like the story and the maps and stuff. So it's like, but that's not bad, right? That's just a new way to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it is interesting. You need a science fiction almanac for your story. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess that's one way to do it. And for people who don't need it or want it can just read it without. And then you can have like a, I, I think what uh, Clockwork Orange had that in the back, right? Eventually they had the little. Yeah, they the had a, you're right. Scroob, they had an appendix. Scrooby baby. What was, what, what are those little guys called? Scrooge? I don't remember. No. This, yeah. Broobs, Some, Droobs, the most Droobs, Droobs. 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 Yeah, milk Droobs. And cheeky Droobs in my yard. Oh, I'm going to uh, beat your nitty, nitties off. Damn, Droog. Give me some milk, Gov. Oh, dram in a cup of tea there. Let me... yeah, I'm just... reading... Um, I'm just going to use this episode to talk about my reading adventures. I started reading Woodhouse because it's free on Audible. Well, I have a free Audible account. Um, I don't know if you read any Woodhouse. He wrote the Jeeves and Worcester series. Um, but yeah, just... Uh, I feel like the British are all the same at writing. They're they're just like different versions of the same sad sack man who's either it's just, I don't know it's just I've I've read a lot of Ian McEwan this year and Woodhouse and uh, Adams and Burgess. we are we are on similar we are we're on some similar wavelength like yeah you going Brit year, I'm I'm like deep in the Brit Brits heavy. right now hell yeah I, I just read the the corner that held them which was like a w- incredible novel it was a female writer so it, it felt like it cut through some of the mm, that's you know, true the, the the war version of like britain in the 20s and 30s and 40s where it's like everything was just consumed by world war one and world war two and like a man's yes. version that's going to be very specific um but she wrote this is a medieval novel uh okay god what the heck is her name warner something uh warner Town- oh, i gotta look it up um yeah please do i will one second. don't want any of this fake news out there there's too much of it Sylvia Townsend Warner, the corner that held them. Like this what is you, what the. Year was that written? Oh gosh, uh, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. No, it's sorry. okay. It's okay. Um, 1948. 1948. Oh shit! So Old. Yeah. yeah, but so so good, and it's about medieval, okay, like medieval um, uh, convent or cool. abbey. I guess that's great. Great, but, but yeah, they're all they were rich. they were all very obsessed with. Um, I guess Woodhouse. I don't remember when he was writing, but it's taking place pre-war. But yeah, especially post-World War One, um, male writers were just like devastated that all their boyfriends died. <laughs> seems like. Yeah. It's like shit, man. I, I, I mean, I guess like either I could have died with my boyfriends, but now I don't have any way to hang out with my boys anymore. I was like, they're all just so sad that they can't hang out with their boys anymore in the trenches. Isn't that what, isn't that what we all want? We just want to hang I out know. with the boys. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad we don't have to do it in the trenches now. We can just do it in like bars and I don't know, out in the woods and it's, just really wherever. It's cool. Yeah, I want to avoid Maybe. any situation where I have to do it in the trenches. I yeah, you get like wet foot. Was that a disease <laughs> called wet foot? Something <laughs> boggy, foot. boggy toe. Oh man, that yeah, that's British literature. Yeah, I'm I'm reading. Um, I just got in the mail, Border Country. So it's like Raymond Williams is 2005. So much more contemporary, but same mm. deal. I think it's about a strike either during World War II or before it. They can't escape. Can't escape it. I guess it's a little different for that. We got all the fun island stuff, country. except for the like the guys who had to go island hop or actually like the small amount of troops who actually like saw active combat from the U.S. Like in, Wait, in, in which in World War II. Yeah. Like US, we got all the fun. We got the fun parts of World War II. We got all the fun parts of World War Hell II. Yeah. We got to drop the atomic bomb uh, to bring this back to Nausicaa. Right. We um we got I to we got to go to a bunch of tropical islands. Um, 
Does sound nice. Uh, we got to build everything. So we had the war machine. So like we just got to build a lot of watches and uh, yeah. tanks. We got and to then pick. we got to like, yeah, the, the, everyone remembers D-Day and like that was just kind of us showing up and, you know. Yeah, we got to choose. You're right. We did. We got all the cool stuff because we got to pick that one. Yeah. And then we kicked Italy's ass in like a couple months. That makes sense. Yeah, they're just eating their <laughs> pasta, and they're like, "Oh no, oh, good." It is true. It is. It's, it definitely feels very post-war and sort of Akira ways. It definitely like those explosions are so and like the anime atomic explosions when they're not coming from bombs. It's so mm-hmm. intense. Like that. That seems fucking crazy when when Uma Thurman busts out the the goopy yeah bomb maker. that was like deeply haunting because it's yeah. like it emerges and you're just like. Man, this is um, this is either going to work or not work very quickly. <laughs> like this thing is falling apart, and then it shoots a yeah. nuke at him, and uh, you're like, "Wow, this is creepy." It is, and I think that's what makes this movie so cool is that, like the even the allegory of the like atomic war machine is this like fucking ancient thing that can't stand up and is just melting to death as it's actively destroying everything. And just, it's not strong. It's this like giant, weak, ancient thing, which I guess, I don't know. I, I you know, I'm not going to try to figure out what he's talking about really, but just sort of the ideas it brings up is just like this, this thing that's always around and always a part of us, but also so destructive, not just to what it's blowing up, but also to itself. It's such a cool thing that they invented for this story. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know exactly the timelines, but you feel the reverberations through like, uh, was it Attack on Titan and like, yeah, um, uh, uh, Evangelion, Neon Genesis Evangelion, yep. and, and like just it, it's just like yeah, that that motif is very strong. I feel like uh, coming out right. of Japan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it must, yeah. That destructive energy is, I don't know, this is like such a cool version of that idea too. I just like, when that thing comes out and just like gooping everywhere, it's just like, I never, that's not what I expected. Like, we're so used to war machines just being the strongest, most indestructible thing. And it takes a hero, a violent hero to somehow figure out how to destroy it. Where here's just like, they unearth it, they try to set it up, it's probably too soon, it's half-baked, and then it just dies on its own and it doesn't take nausicaa doing anything mm-hmm. other than being peaceful and being like how do we bridge this gap that we've so thoroughly destroyed and it's such a like it's there's no hero's journey that i can think of and i'm sure there are but like this is such a for me a unique version of it where nausicaa is always on the side of peace and never you know like compared to star wars where it's just mm-hmm. like you know they're fighting for good but they're fighting and Nausicaa's not fighting. Every act is her just like throwing down her weapons. It's so yep. that scene where she flies straight at the awful bug carrying balloon and does the little uh the Jesus Christ uh you know like <laughs> yeah. I just yeah. I was like, okay, 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 got got what's going on here. <laughs> I guess, but it's all uh, yeah, I mean it's yeah, it's, but it's so no, haunting. It's it. Yeah, it's yeah. like a- it's a pure character. It's a it's a messiah figure. Uh, yeah, maybe it's not a hero's journey. It's like a messiah's journey. <laughs> like I guess so. Yeah, messiah. She, she fulfills story. a. She fulfills that prophecy, mm-hmm. and it's she turns out to be the 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 dude walking on wheat. Yeah, and like <laughs> the uh, the the old woman imagined like a man, and it was a woman. So I thought this was like a very subtly fem- feminist film because it's like the women still had like medieval feminist roles, kind of. Uh, right. in, in a lot of the cases um, but at the same time like Nausicaa being you know combat ready and flying around and doing stuff and then the princess like Uma Thurman's character just being like a hard ass utilitarian like cutthroat but like not necessarily evil character uh, were like yeah very like non-traditional roles for women even like the, the bureaucratic guy just kind of being like attracted to her for being like powerful I think is like very not in a lot of um, films <laughs> yeah yeah no it's it's um i think it's i've already recorded the porco roast episodes so i won't talk about this too much but his gender stuff is uh, simultaneously 
unlike anything that America was doing, as we could see from the Wizards of the Wind edit, where they just were like, oh, we don't want a girl to be the main character because this is an American movie now. So he was like already ready to have this, like so many of his characters are girls and powerful girls and cool girls and badass pacifist girls. And that's so cool. And then, but he still does like have these very strict, because there are a lot of them are war movies. And he always like, there's a lot of just like, men have this thing to do and women have this thing to do. So he's sort of a complicated old dude in some ways. But this movie, I think, is wholeheartedly a really great feminist story without too much baggage of, of uh, what he thinks about gender. Yeah, it, it it was like... I don't know, it just felt so... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? But just like very materialist in the way of like, okay, if we regress as a society, like will women will, will our ability to treat women as equals, like also regress And this kind of said, like, not necessarily like they might regress, like roles in society might regress into like somewhat like patriarchal with, you know, women taking care of kids or being the soothsayers or the healers, you know, the, the nuns, but like they didn't feel like second class citizens in the film at any point. Mm-hmm. They just had yeah. different roles. And that was to me very interesting. And like, again, like within the context of the universe that was built, it, it all kind of made sense, but I am not a female. So I, uh, mm. you know, and there's always Uma Thurman's character. Um, the other princess in the movie, who's, uh, also not a bad guy, but I guess the closest thing she and her, buffoon soldier guy her second mm-hmm. in command there's like the closest we have to bad guys but they're sort of empathetic because we can understand what they're trying yeah, to accomplish he's, he's like he's literally a bad day from from like just shooting his brains out like you just can feel it the whole film he's just like <laughs> yeah he doesn't care yeah. <laughs> he's like oh i'm interested a little bit <laughs> oh well Guess the, the best part is when he meets his um the the warrior the the big warrior and it like opens its eyes and smiles at him and he gets a little like coy and and uh i don't know maybe oh, horny a little bit i couldn't dude. quite tell but oh no he was totally he was, he was gonna yeah. he was, fuck that monster let me tell you fuck that big monster jesus oh he was gonna he's gonna figure out a way yeah just wait just wait buddy um he's but he's i think the most greedy and i guess i might even assign him as a bad guy which i don't think the uma thurman's character was but he's like pretty much just pure he's not good at it but he is like his his goal is to be a warmonger and profit off of this war yeah i got the impression that he was like the could be he was like the just following orders guy like you know just just that like just pure bureaucrat like just i'm going to do interesting what i need to do at this moment to like not get yelled at or follow my orders and like my own motivations are completely secondary to like my duty. So it's like this very bureaucratic mindset. And I thought that was like important to include. Oh, I'm sorry. My, my dog is now squeaking. That's all right. Everyone likes to squeak. WD 40. She's squeaking. Oh yeah. You do that too. Oh yeah. Straight up each nostril. Gotta grease your puppies. Yeah. Um, I think overall, I think what I noticed, and maybe I'm wrong, or maybe we just had different reactions, but he's that way when the princess is alive. But the scene to me that like really sort of cemented him as a like bad person was when he learns that she's dead, even though she isn't. And then he's like, ooh, I can use this to my advantage now. Mm-hmm. So let's not tell anyone and let me now be the one that wins this war. So I think you're right. I think he is a subservient little creep. But when he had the opportunity, he had like this one moment to flourish as a bad guy and he sort of showed how shitty he is, but he still, he like easily reverted back to being a little creep. Yeah. And like outside of true psychopaths to me, that's like as bad as most people are like, like, you know what I mean? Like like the idea of super villains to me has always been silly. It's a, it's a reason like I've just, I feel like I've never got maybe into comic books as much as some people. Like I don't like, like really stark, good bad splits because right. i feel like most is most stuff's in the middle or like near the middle or there there's at least gray area yeah but, i think that's know, this, why this, honestly marvel is not that fun anymore i don't think but like thanos and warmonger like they have done really good jobs sometimes with the 
like guy that kills half the universe, but actually has a very soft human heart. That's why he does it. So, but I agree. I, I didn't really get into comic books either, but I think yeah. they, when they do humanize the bad guy, even though he's like really made out to be the bad guy, mm-hmm. I think that they even, even like a big Disney thing can successfully sort of complex, make and, complexity and frankly, and nuance there. Yeah. Even Disney does nuance like Jafar, like, come on, if you had to work for that dude, like, just this like there's just this bumbling idiot who runs the whole kingdom and like you gotta like suck up to him you know the whole time like come on it's like you can sort of understand oh, I think yeah. that guy was totally a jafar mold i feel like jafar was probably based off this character yeah mm, interesting command. like what you think of this guy's though? head i feel like everyone had similar like sort of i don't want to use the word normal but like you know sort of typical anime head and then fucking second in command had this like square fish head like a flounder he looks like a yeah, flounder. Yeah, I think that kind of fits also with what I think we're getting <laughs> yeah. a little of Miyazaki's opinion on this character yeah. in in his yeah, fish. Yeah, just just absolute limp noodle. His own motivations are secondary. Just complete, you know, husk. Total husk. Fish husk. Fish husk. Yeah. Dead fish. Um, ugh. Um. I am curious if this is going to go off in a little direction but we're talking design um i saw a trivia on the imdb page that like over 200 colors were used in this movie yet they decided to make nausicaa's pants the same color as her skin and thankfully i did some re- did you not am i the only like weird pervert that was confused by why she wasn't I was wearing a any little- pants confused but i assumed okay. they were pants but i Me was too. also like this is an interesting choice maybe this is uh just how the kids dress these days i don't know i didn't think too much about it but it did cross my mind so you're, um, you're not well, crazy. we're not the only ones either because if you type into google is nausicaa the first one is uh wearing pants as the suggested google search so this is a it's on Reddit. It's on IMDb. It's everywhere. And people want to know, is she wearing pants? And I think, I don't know how they know this, but it's people they say it's pants. I don't know if that's just to get rid of the confusion or the discomfort um, of those weird upskirts. I, I interpreted them as pants. I never thought she wasn't wearing pants. But I, I really should have tried to get would, uh, Hayo himself for this series because I really just got to... We got to get the from the source direct from the source about this. No, no, this is what this is exactly what happened. So Hayo was like, "All right, um, you can do whatever you want." Someone was like, "Sir, what color would you like her pants right. to be?" And he's like, "I, I don't care. We're, we're just trying to get this movie done." They're like, very well, sir. <laughs> Damn. So you think it was an insubordination? <laughs> feels like it i mean they use over 200 colors come on why are you using the same color for that it's in every are scene you... so they could save some some real money by using not using a different color for a main character so you know we got to look at this from like a, a business standpoint i guess so yeah there's a comment i mean but yeah you know Ohio's on that grind set he's he's trying to, to pinch pennies. Oh, absolutely yeah you don't get to where Ohio is without being in that in that stasis. stasis. Yeah, you, you um, don't get a toxic forest without that hustler mindset. No. Um, I, honestly, the the forest underneath the forest was. I forgot that that happened. I haven't seen this movie in a few years, and that is like uh, such a cool idea that you learn that the bugs aren't evil. They just fucking hate this shit. And they're yeah. like, we're protecting the only thing that's left. So please just leave us alone. We'll leave you alone. We're just trying to make sure the world doesn't die. And that's such a great... Uh, it sort of reminded me of Mobius. Uh, you've read that guy? The French... Is he French? The um, graphic novelist? Um, No, I don't, but I need to. Sounds oh, yeah. Great. The, very cool. I forget um, what the famous one's called. But yeah, he's... um very similar vibes to to this movie and um yeah i just think that 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 scene is you know what so I thought cool of from that scene this is uh this is this is this i went way deep in the childhood brain i was like mm-hmm. I've seen bugs in caves like this before 
where where have I seen this Donkey Kong Country, the Crystal Caverns? There's bugs oh, all course. around the cave. Yes, it looks just like it. I'm like, they had this in mind. They had to have had this in mind. And the music, very similar. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Cavernous kind of you know water dripping sounds. Like I was like, this is this is Donkey Kong Country in the Crystal Caverns. Well, hey, maybe uh, he ripped it off. Or I don't probably probably Donkey Kong came after. I don't know, maybe this is a classic. Probably ninety five or ninety six. Yeah. So, yeah. So this is a so, classic your short story versus um Cormac McCarthy's hobo story, you know. <laughs> just happened to be, you know, later. But frankly, Donkey Kong Country uh art. That game is art. On yeah. the whole series is art. Like you just what the, system the is that? Music. That NES? was Super Nintendo. Super yeah. Nintendo. Well, Super Nintendo. Yeah, Donkey Kong Country. So yeah, like it's like a platformer. I'd be like, uh, yeah, I think Super I played that. I wasn't allowed to have any consoles as a kid or even as an adult until I moved out. It's one of the reasons why I moved out of my childhood home. Made the right choice. Um, yes. Thank you. I, I, I definitely made the right choice. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I must, I think I played that game at a friend's house. Yeah. We didn't have a lot of money. So we, I always, always, always a console behind. So it's That's like whenever we playing super Nintendo games, I had like the, the, nes and were you getting it used or were you just getting it was it like marked down at at a store so like yeah my some of my fondest childhood memories were were bargain hunting at flea markets and and like uh eb games rhino video games like all the Mm -hmm, the secondhand mm -hmm. stores and just like getting old cheap nes games yeah and and part of that was my hometown (sighs) like uh total tangent go to trivia a lot with friends and whenever i remember a song name or a piece of trivia we have to like identify the year it came out is like part mm-hmm. of bonus questions and i yeah. always subtract like four to five years from my memory because i was in Incredible. such a small town that i literally didn't get it filtered through to me it was like that south park joke where it's like if you want to go back in time just like live in iowa or whatever it's yeah. so true it's like i have wow. to remember it's like i remember hearing the song when i was in fifth grade it's like oh but it totally came out when i was in first grade just Amazing. hadn't matriculated to my tiny podunk town yet. I feel like um, Zoomers may think they have everything going for them, you know, um, other than, you know, a few small things like climate change and the end of democracy and an eventual war somewhere. More of that. Of but they will never have lived through this era of like if digging through shit or like just like find, just like being forced to. We also grew. I think that was the main reason was that we just didn't have any money to buy a console, and they're like, "Why would we waste money on this thing that just allows you like go play in the dirt, Charles? Dirt's free, <laughs> you know." Uh, but it's just yeah, that's like I think Zoomers will never have that like inviting yourself over to your friend's house that has a gaming console. Yeah, and that was like yeah, a, was that a was cold, like a, a beast on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember yeah, I don't going want to be a return friend. guy. Don't want to be a return guy. I don't want to be <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. But yeah. uh, but that that physical media of the actual consumption of video games and and, and media was like has evaporated for the most part. Like uh Yeah. Yeah, the digitalization of of all forms of media, video games included, definitely took took something out of the appreciation of the actual object itself it's interesting uh, i think i'm i'm pro digitization just from a moving standpoint but now that i own a house maybe i'm back to the the analog full full plastic yeah, like full, all things full. i've i've come full circle in which like i appreciate digitization i like to own a few things physically like my favorite records i'll get a like a physical copy my favorite games mm-hmm. you know i'll see if i can get a physical copy but for the most yeah. part like, broccoli i Bro- gotta get my favorite broccoli <laughs> in the actual you can digitize the some of the bad ones, but you got to get the good ones in person. <laughs> For sure, you market gotta, mark. Yeah, you can't. Uh, you can't let the DoorDash guys pick your broccoli. It's never no, gonna no, work. No, 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 get no, no, no. Broccoli. You can't get you can't get broccoli on fifty percent off on Steam on its. Uh, even if you want steam, steamed broccoli, <laughs> steamed broccoli. Nice. Uh, I could have gone with the Epic Game Store, but I'm glad I went with Steam. Yeah. During, mm. It's gonna so happen. now it's like, uh, are you so this is an interesting way to end this because I'm this is a because Josh is, you know, taking little breaks now and I have more freedom to do what I want. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're doing a non franchise franchise where the questions are less exact. So like, I'm curious, not in are you expecting Nausicaa to be franchise? Like, we know Nausicaa isn't going to get franchised, but like, 
is a sequel something you'd want, or do you think this works well as a standalone? This, so like, is that sort of the, when will it end? My gut just is, says standalone because it's like, where do you go? They're rebuilding the universe, and then they need another savior, or mm-hmm. like. If if it was a if there was if we were to franchise this if I could see a meaningful way to franchise because I was thinking about that as I was watching this is like this feels like a pretty complete story, um, it would have to be it would have to be a prequel it would have to be like something totally. before the apocalypse in a similar situation so either like history repeating itself or um a more stark warning of of like no take the, this is not an allegory take it seriously like this is absolutely 100% like the future we have to look forward to if we don't get our act together um but for the most part it it just stands alone so nicely like you, you just can feel good and want to do stuff you know you want to want to change the yeah. world yeah i think um i think you're totally right i i am asking when will it end i think this movie would be hard to franchise in a meaningful way this movie is in a way that Star Wars, you brought up Star Wars, you brought up all these other franchises that like sort of just was meaninglessly filling out the world. And I think that you could obviously do more shit. These characters are fascinating. The world is fascinating. It's all beautiful. Mm-hmm. I would love to spend more time there. But I think just as a franchise and storytelling, like this did in two hours everything I needed from the story. It brings you to such uh, emotional heights that I don't really like this movie is. Yeah, brought me into tears. This movie, one hundred percent, like had me feeling very emotional. Like it's mm-hmm. just, um, yeah, really yeah. hammers the gravity of everything. It's uh, yeah, the scene where she like um is trying to save the bug and it's just uh, angry and pushing her into the acid lake and she takes it. Like that is like so amazing. I love that yeah. moment. All the little moments yeah. of sacrifice. Like I actually teared up when the uh, mother of Shia LaBeouf's character, who I cannot, yeah. Remember, came and saved her i was just like this is just that was so nice you know they're just like (laughs) like, it's so nice like they they're like i i'm potentially sacrificing myself or daughter or like bigger ramifications for to to do the right thing and that's hard decision to make yeah i think yes this movie is full of hard decisions from everyone including the supposed bad guys like everyone's making choices and then the pedgites destroying their own city and then trying to destroy the valley of the wind to get the warrior back and it's just like everyone is making choices this isn't um like darth vader is just evil and Mm -hmm. the story moves forward because the sith are evil and they just want to do bad things it's like no these people are uh all of them are sick of war except for maybe fishhead and they're all doing their best to end the war in a way. Would you like me to be sick of war, sir? Uh, I don't know. I don't. I hate you, honestly. Like, I can't believe he got Not second. More than myself, sir. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, just like everyone is doing what they think they should be doing, and I think that's why this movie's so fucking good. It's not. Yeah. It doesn't feel false, even though it feels very as we said ham-fisted it's just like the best ham the best fucking second baked vegan ham delicious eat those hands gluten pile Mm. and for me the mvp is like it's so obvious i'm like fighting the urge to not choose it but nausicaa 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 is without a doubt not only the coolest character in this movie there's so many good ones but imagine reading the bible and not picking jesus you know (laughs) yes honestly I, this is going to be hard to beat as a as a franchise like a Miyazaki versus MVP. Honestly, Nausicaa might be MVP of the 20th century. Uh, like overall. She's, she's the just, hero we need in in a world yeah. in which we shouldn't expect heroes or want them, you know. It's, right. It's like that's not going to save us, but if she did exist, we certainly need her. Yeah, like uh, I just read Dune to keep this oh, this this little travel log of my recent reading alive and Dune, I fucking hated. It. it sucks. I really can't stand that book. It's really boring and the opposite of world building. Like every scene is just like, ooh, look how clever Frank is at making Dune lands. It's just like, <laughs> all right, Dune, come on, dude. Uh, I remember not feeling any particular way after reading it, going like, okay, that was cool. I think I like <laughs> Ender's Game more, given uh, probably. Yeah, just every- yeah. Historically, but yeah, Paul. What's his name? Paul. Paul Atreides. Yeah. Yeah, fucking first of all, you're naming your Messiah Paul. Okay, whatever. But I'm mean, um, also kind of funny. And uh, yeah, 
if right. it was if there was irony in the the novel which doesn't feel like there's a ton of there's plenty of of allegory but not a lot of irony yeah, right paul is fucking hilarious yeah and he's just like this weird white savior of this it's it's like really i really can't stand dune and, and the fact that this is has i think owes to dune like the the bugs mm-hmm. feel very sandwormy and mm-hmm. um certainly got factions fighting people yeah. but dune felt like yeah dune dune walked so this movie could run for sure absolutely and yeah paul is just like this little oh i don't he's really annoying and just like so frank had such a hard on for this character idea that he just everything he does is amazing and wonderful and lived to see them cast him at the chamele because he would have been so happy he would have been so happy absolutely <laughs> this little oh, the, this little uh this little font Leroy. <laughs> <laughs> the perfect guy little yeah French that was a great casting. <laughs> frank you died so soon you didn't get I to know. see your vision perfected to see him timothy didn't get to see him save the world yeah and nausicaa just like is a champion for everyone she's she's amazing but that's my mvp i, I can't like yeah. we haven't even talked about sword man who's fucking amazing jumping right. around being swordy uh he's very yeah. cool patrick stewart voiced him but, yeah no one for, for me but yeah no same same with me nausicaa um yeah uh you know divest from fossil fuels we need to to do some shit we gotta, we gotta, we gotta put ourselves on the line, be selfless, and uh, try, try to fix it so we don't have to fight the bugs, or at least um, learn to live with the bugs. <laughs> I know, and that little flashback where she's like drawn differently and looks so cool, where she like is a child and having to understand why these people are taking her little bug friend away and killing it. It's just what an interesting little moment for Miyazaki to think is an important part of. That like when she, she, I think that's when she dreams, and after she falls and is knocked out, mm-hmm. like that's that's this like trauma that still is with her, and I think it's a really interesting yeah. choice that he decided to be like this is going this goes back to all the all the cliches. So it's true, you know. We're taught to hate. We're taught to hate. It's just yeah. it's, it's not what we want to do, you know. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's a wonderful movie, and it really is. It's sad that we live in a world that's. Uh, yeah. So much worse. Even before Nausicaa sort of takes on the blue robe and saves the world, like we are in a place that's like just no one has like everyone's compassionate in this movie, and I feel like no one is in leadership is compassionate and just no, it's we're, a sad we're, world. We're at the mercy of yeah the the system. It's just yeah it's so atomized. It's so anti-human. Um, but we can we can we can build it better. We just gotta we gotta build local power. Got a grill with our friends and our homies. Got a lot of brews. Yeah. yeah, now the, the trenches are not the only option. We can hang with mm-hmm. our boys and girls wherever we want. Make some For little sure. changes happen. Well, this uh, it was such a wonderful rewatch. I'm I'm going on a journey through Miyazaki. I, I don't know if you're if this sparked you to watch any more. If, like, are you are you a Miyazaki fan? Like, have you seen? I would say I would say uh, like. I don't usually say I'm a fan, but Spirited Away and Princess Mononoke are probably in my top 50 films. So, okay. And this, this one, yeah, maybe this, those three would probably be a top 100 film. So, the, yeah, absolutely love, love them. Think they're like, they, they embody the childhood dream state so well. Like when I watch them, I'm just like, I remember when my brain was this open wide you know like mm-hmm. like i could be floating around in these these places and this is this was almost reality despite being so um fantastical and uh yeah, he just captures that so well you don't get that uh with a lot of stuff so yeah, I, yeah definitely a fan uh one thing i also before we end and this is totally non sequitur but what i meant to bring up earlier was that the relationship between Shia LaBeouf and Nausicaa or like i think a lot of other stories would have had that be romance especially for such like an epic hero's journey like large scale thing like that's just what you do is you have mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. and even though the genders are reversed for this like you just sort of have the two people that are supposed to fall in love fall in love and like that just doesn't yeah happen at all i mean it ends in a weird way where he's just like spinning her around in the air but like it's not this isn't a romance i think that's a really another just another point for for nausicaa just not falling if down Weinstein the trap. would have got his hands on this film jesus I can't even say what would have happened. God, what a nightmare that would have been. 
just hotels everywhere. Uh, cool. Well, um, on that note, um, <laughs> what is next? Do you even know? I don't even fuck. I always forget. Fucking forget to check. Yeah. What's next? Next is Castle in the Sky. I think Ooh. Mike. Mike's going to be the one I have that seen one. the the longest to go. So I, think, I, I might rewatch yeah. that. Totoro's are are whoa. Uh, hit someone emphatically saying Totoro. Totoro gets the rewatch all the time. Monoke gets my rewatches. But yeah, Castle in the Sky, I think, is like I always have in my mind is like a second tier Miyazaki. Wait, but uh, honestly, Howl, Howl's Moving Castle or nope, uh, not Howl's Castle Moving Castle, and the not Lupin okay. the Third Castle of Cagliostro. This is Castle in the Sky. Okay. I stand corrected because I was thinking Hell's Moving Castle because that was the one I saw like off of like a BitTorrent rip when I was 15. Okay. So. Yeah, that came out in 2004 and that's like a post-spirited away sort of the um, winding down of Miyazaki. I think I would consider that's my that's for, I don't know, I even know if it's true, but for some reason I consider that to be as like it's like, all right, I, I peaked with Spirited Away and now I'm just going to slowly creep away from you all. Have fun. But yeah, Castle in the Sky, I honestly don't remember anything about it other than that there's a boy and a girl and i think someone's someone flies in it there's like a floating child scene jeez yeah i gotta check this out yeah yeah i think i remember being very fun um so yeah but thanks so much for joining it's great to chat it's nice to see your face and um have likewise you on the yeah and um we will we will make the pilgrimage to uh to the new england and uh when we do we will see you guys. Perfect. Do you have um? Are you up to anything fun that I should put in the notes, or just the same links as last time? Or did you... the same links as last time? Um, once yep. I got a, I got a, I got a screenplay in the oven. Once that's done, I will find a Ooh. place to put that in. A, you know, a downloadable form, and I will Great. share it with you. And when that happens, I will let you know. Perfect. And my, I just want to make sure you know this. I'm sorry if I'm just if you've heard, you already know this, but um, much like a vegan ham, you have to you bake that screenplay in the oven once but if you you got to make sure to cook that thing again i have a writing partner with this which has been i would highly recommend it i think uh we are taught that there is a genius writer he sits in a room and then he makes a genius thing Mm -hmm. i've been writing the screenplay with a friend of mine um whose opinion i really respect uh different than mine in some places but very aligned and it has just been a such more enjoyable process to, which to do you or do you consider yourself to be more of the fish face or the uma thurman in this relationship or do you take uh, take turns it, it's like 50 50 it's yeah, so odd so. it's just because we have a good rapport like we just we're just hopping back and forth we kind of have characters i feel like we are more aligned with and are more comfortable writing so cool. uh, in that sense than some of us yeah we, we kind of swap roles swap i love it that's great so well, cool. Good luck with that. I can't wait to see what see what comes of it. And um, yeah, I'm it's, sure you'll be back. It won't be boring. The... I can promise you that. Great. <laughs> I can't tell you it'll be good, but it won't be boring. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jake. And um, everyone else will hear you or listen. No, you'll wait. I always get this wrong. You'll hear me and Mike <laughs> next week for Castle in the Sky. 